I'm spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on autism. Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. And today, as every day, we are going to boldly go where no man has gone before. And we're going to try and come up with some answers here, see if we can't do something about this crazy world of autism that we're all immersed in. All right, so I want to um, get straight to my guest because my great guest giveaway following my guest is really kind of an interesting twist on things. I'm saying that because I want you to remember to stay until the end when we have OK, 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 the great guest giveaway, as well as, of course, always, stories from the road. And before those two things, we are going to talk about cooking. Today I think we're going to call the show, Does Food Make the Difference? And I guess that's going to be the question of the day, and we're going to see what we come up with. So guest number one's name is, actually his name is Tom Dickinson, but he goes by GFCF Chef Tom Dickinson. And the exciting thing about him is not only is he a chef, and a two-time cookbook author, but he's an internet personality, he does radio, and he's a self-advocate for autism awareness. And I want to ask him, what do you mean, Tom, welcome, what do you mean by self-advocate for autism awareness? Uh, Thank you, Lynette. Uh, I appreciate you having me here on your program today. And uh, what I mean by self-advocate is is that when I was a small child, I, I had some definite developmental delays and some issues. I couldn't walk until I was two years old. I mean, I couldn't ride a bicycle until I was almost 11. And uh, I just had some issues, and I went through a lot of uh, educational and physical therapy. And uh, what the diagnosis was that they had told me is that I had a perceptual problem, and that was in the 80s, back when autism really wasn't a big uh, word back then. And it wasn't until about three or four years ago when I was working actually at Arco Arena in Sacramento, California. I was working the Sacramento Kings basketball season on the catering staff. I discovered and I went through the uh, information and I had to confirm with some family members that I was actually diagnosed as borderline autistic. And uh, I found out that I actually am on the autism spectrum. So that is why I am a self-advocate. Well, that's so exciting for me, and one of the reasons it's exciting is I've been meaning to do a show on diet, and I've sort of touched on it a little, but I haven't, I kept thinking, well, do I want to do a traditional, you know, nutritionist, somebody who just learns about, you know, what's right for diet and and has an opinion, but hasn't really been involved in autism, and I've been looking, 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 and when I saw uh, that you are a chef, that you do gluten-free, casein-free information, that you've had, a, you know, a real-life situation with autism. I thought, now this is going to be fun. So that's why I was so excited to talk to you. 
Well, I'm glad. I'm, I definitely love to get information out and uh, give back as as much as I can. Uh, definitely. Do you do yourself? Do you observe a gluten-free, casein-free diet? And can you tell our people what that is? Uh, what gluten and casein is is um, gluten is a protein in bread. People always wonder how come how come the bread doesn't fall apart when you bake it. It's because when you're working the dough, you're developing the gluten in it, and that's kind of when you pull bread dough apart. If anybody's ever baked bread, there's these little like spider web things in there, and that's all the gluten that forms. And casein is actually the protein that actually makes cheese. And I've actually made cheese before. And um, what you do is when you add an acid to milk, the proteins in it, what is it? It's the casein that coagulates. That's what makes cheese. That's kind of a pretty uh, simple uh, explanation to it. Now, as far as do I observe a gluten-free, casein-free diet, I, I try to. Chef, I'm going to interrupt you just because I want to add something to what you just said that's really kind of interesting that I want you to answer. Um, So here's an interesting piece. I love the way you describe that because you really get the sense of gluten being sort of the glue. And for people who don't know, now this may have changed in the last couple of years because I haven't checked into it again, but many products have been using gluten that aren't edible products. For example, Crayola crayons had a lot of gluten in them. Uh, Wallboard, when you make wallboard for your house, it has gluten in it. Some of the kids eat the walls. Some of the kids eat these crayons. Um, so I just want you to be aware, when, from his description, there, it really is gluten. <laughs> okay, go on, Seth. Yeah. Uh, as far as myself observing a uh, strict gluten-free, casein-free diet, it's, I, I do eat gluten and casein-free when I can. The one difficult thing for me is, as a chef, to really be really strict about it, is I do work for a company, uh, a retirement community called Paradise Valley Estates. We don't have a gluten-free, casein-free menu, but... As a chef, as my personal standard, um, I try to taste things and try to taste everything that I make in order to make sure that it's put out properly. So it becomes kind of a struggle, and I have learned that there are sometimes, you know, in small moderation, sometimes there's things that I can handle as far as, you know, having gluten or having casein in them, but once in a great while. But there's some things I know I cannot handle that I just cannot do I mean I have not eaten a bowl of ice cream in years I I can't eat it at all because it affects me that much and you know it's everything in moderation if I need to sample something at my job I also take uh, a lot of papaya enzymes in order to be able to aid in digestion when I have to taste these things but I really try to eat gluten and casein free as much as I can but as I said as being a chef you know having those standards and trying to taste everything it can be challenging, but I'm really I, I try my best. That's well, all maybe I can it's say. a good maybe it's a good challenge. I mean, it's led to, led you to a place where you became aware of you know everything in moderation, do the papaya enzymes, um, I, and I think it's an important one to kind of play with a little bit because a lot of the time I go into the homes to work with families, and diet's a big question. You know, some of the kids aren't on any kind of diet at all. Some of the kids are on such stringent diets that it's stressful, and the stress factor outweighs the benefits of the diet. Um, so let's just talk about that a little bit. For your own personal experience, um, ice cream, what does it do to you? Is it a physical reaction or is it a mental it- reaction? It's it's a very physical reaction. My head feels really really cloudy. I can't focus uh, very well. It's just it bothers me. It feels like I'm on drugs, basically. Okay, but what about a glass of milk? Do, can you do that? 
No, I don't even. I haven't drinking milk in a long time. I drink a lot of water. I take calcium pills. I I don't drink milk. I don't eat ice cream. Um, you know, if I'm at work and I need to sample, like if we're making Alfredo sauce that has cheese in it, I'll sample that once in a while. Just a, just a spoonful to taste it, but that's about it. And if you keep it at a small amount like this, because it's kind of an important bit. I love that you have this information. Understand these parents are going, oh, no, we got a bite of that. So what happens if you just have uh, a bite or, you know, a little bit? It's, it's, it just depends on the person. I really can't say my own personal experience. You know, I'll take a small bite. It doesn't bother me. You know, if I go overboard or eat something and it affects me, I mean, I know, I know what my limitations are. So it just depends on everybody. I mean, I'm not a dietitian. I'm not an expert nutritionist. I'm just a chef who likes to cook. No, I so get that, and I'm not trying to put you in that place, but it's oh, awfully difficult um, as a parent to go, well, what are they experiencing? And, of course, your experience isn't going to be universal to everyone, but at least it's a little bit of insight. Um, so I do like, you know, digging into it a little bit. Do, did you, when you were young, did you have a reaction to these products, or was that something that evolved later? Um, I learned, you know, one of the things that I really struggled with when I was younger is I would melt down really easily, and I had no idea why that happened. I had really trouble controlling my temper, and, you know, and it's just I've learned so much lately how food, Food, what you eat determines your behavior, you know. What you eat affects your behavior. And, you know, and I never really realized that until I was older because when I was a kid, you know, we had a, we got our milk straight from the farm. We had a dairy farm that was 10 miles up our, from where we lived. Mm -hmm. And my dad got raw milk there, unrefined milk that still had the cream settling to the top. You know, my mom made homemade bread all the time. And I didn't realize, you know, how things were affecting me, and uh, when I find out later, it's like, wow, because I remember when I started eliminating that stuff from my diet, it completely changed how I felt, and I focused more. I mean, at my work, when I started eliminating less gluten and less casein, I went from getting my work done five minutes late to 15 minutes early. Well, what was the path that led you to try that? How, How did you discover that that would be a good idea? I was at work one night in Sacramento, and, and I just, I was struggling with things that I knew that I had this perceptual thing, and I was struggling with things that were, I shouldn't have been struggling with at my job, and it just bothered me, and I looked up the information, and I feel like I said before, I had it confirmed by my family members, and I thought to myself, you know, I really just was really depressed about it. I thought, okay, I'm, I'm never going to be normal like everybody else, you know, I'm never going to be like, you know... And I just thought I got really depressed that I was never going to just amount to anything. I didn't know my wife wanted even to, wanted even to be with me. And she's, she came in the room and she said, babe, why don't we just, instead of feeling sorry for yourself, why don't we find a way to use this to your advantage? Why don't you find a way to use your ability, your cooking ability to help people? And uh, that's when I discovered about GSCF and I, and I tried it myself and uh, started eliminating that stuff from my diet. And uh, I started creating recipes for myself. I thought to myself, I'm a professional chef. If I'm going to do this stuff, I'm going to create my own recipes, and I'm going to create some stuff that's going to taste good. And I, 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 I'm a chef. My passion is food. And I wanted to create some meals that were going to taste great and they were going to have great flavor. And I was thinking to myself, if I'm going to do this for myself, I'm going to write these recipes down. I'm going to share them with everybody else. And uh, that's what inspired, you know, 
my books, Where There's a Meal, There's a Way, and Cooking with Glass. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I love your wife, and I love what happened. That's awesome. And I'm going to interrupt. This is a new spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. And today's a marvelous day. We're talking about diet with Tom Dickinson. He's a GFCF chef. He's a radio personality. He's a two-cookbook author, a self-advocate for autism awareness. Remember to stay around at the very end of the show when I'm going to wrap it all together with stories from the road. And right after Tom. Going to have okay, okay, okay. The great guest giveaway. All right, Tom. I want to ask you a little bit about what you talked about. So you have two cookbooks, and you were motivated to help the world and help yourself and really make this stuff taste good. So talk to us about your cookbooks. Well, the first cookbook, where there's a meal, there was a way, was actually inspired from a social network that I had joined called the Ot Spot. It's it's much like Facebook or MySpace but for families with autism. And uh, it's a really, really great organization. Uh, the guys who run the Spot, Daly and Greg, are uh, really just a, a great bunch of guys. And I remember when I joined that organization, when it first, that social network, when it first started, there was only just a few of us, and they were probably the first two people to um, read my recipes. And I just started putting one recipe after another on the page, and... Uh, they absolutely loved it, and I thought, Tom, you really need to start a support group. So I started a support group called Where There's a Meal, There's a Way, you know, just to tell people you can eat, you can make gluten and casein-free food for your kids, and it doesn't have to be bland. It doesn't have to be boring. It can have great flavor. It can be very well-balanced flavor, and it's stuff that kids can like. You know, I have put on a recipe for spaghetti and meatballs and different kid-friendly recipes. And I thought to myself, well, if I'm going to do this, why don't I write a book? And I did. I started writing out the recipes. I wrote out, uh, wrote where there's a meal, there's a way. It's 51 recipes, and everything is gluten, casein, and soy-free. And uh, I wrote this book. I self-published it because I just really didn't want a publisher who dealt with never had dealt with autism or families in his life telling me what I should and shouldn't have in my book. Right, right. I mean, like, I want to, I would just tell that person, well, what do you know? You know? I mean, you don't deal with this on a daily basis. And I was writing, you know, I was writing this for the families and uh, what they needed. And the first book, I'm happy to say, has sold over 100 copies in the uh, United States, Canada, Australia, and the United Kingdom. That's awesome. And uh, after I did that, I thought to myself, well, I'm not done, and I need to really come up with something else. I need more diversity. And the one thing, you know, I, I wrote that first book, so fam- not to really generate revenue, Lynette, I really mm-hmm. wanted to generate a resource for um, parents. And, okay. But the one thing that I really wanted to do with this second book when I wrote Cooking with Class is uh, get people, and it's, a, it's just a, a mission that I've had over the past year, is to get adults and young adults on the autism spectrum into the kitchen actually cooking themselves and building that confidence. And uh, I wrote Cooking with Class just to do that. And the class part, the C-L-A-S-S, stands for Creativity, Love, Attitude, Simplicity, Soul. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I want people to cook with. And I'm a firm believer that... You know, people on the spectrum, if they learn how to cook for themselves, it's going to build their confidence, it's going to increase their independence, and it's going to improve their quality of life. 
and that's something I've really been preaching, especially every Saturday on my radio show. Well, I and and I'm there with you in that belief. I think it's uh, it's huge. Number one, independence is super important. Number two, food is a great motivator for a large number of the children. There are some that are food averse, but mostly food is a good motivator, and it's hard to find motivators sometimes. And then finally, you will naturally cook with that which works for you. So the, you, know, you don't have to do quite the same amount of investigating, I don't think, if you allow someone what, you know, to, to make what they gravitate to, what makes them feel better. Yeah, definitely. That's really cool. That's, that's awesome. I love it. So this second book, is it available now? Yes, it is. It has been available. We've actually, uh, actually, we've actually hit three countries with uh, cooking with classes, Gandhi, here in the United States and in Canada, and we, I've sent some copies to Australia as well. It's, it's been really awesome to know that you know, people all over the world are, are using your life's work to uh, better themselves and to be, do better things for their kids. It's, oh, absolutely. So now, in the feedback that you've gotten from what you've put together between your radio show and the cookbooks and the support network, um, in the feedback, have you any stories? Because we we're a story show. We love stories. So do you have any stories that someone shared with you on a way in which what you are putting out there has come back and said this helped my son with or my child with or me with? Do you have one of those? Yes, I do, actually. Can you this share that? This was a while back, and a friend of mine, she, I had just come out, and I just created this beautiful GSCF recipe for spaghetti and meatballs. I mean, every who, what kid doesn't love spaghetti and meatballs? Right. And... One of the ladies in my support group on the hotspot, she emailed me and she said, Tom, I, I made your spaghetti last night and uh, for my son, who's on the spectrum, her son, whose name is Jonas. And she said, Tom, I put the plate in front of him. I was really worried because you know how sensory, you know what the sensory issues that our kids have. And it's right. like, oh, yeah, absolutely. You say, but when he took one bite, he started chowing it down, and it, it just went right down the hatch the whole right. time. As soon as he was done, he, as soon as he picked up a bite, he just kept eating it and eating it and eating it. And uh, she said, I had to stop him so he'd have some left over for his lunch tomorrow. You know what's interesting about that is sometimes we, we give sensory the blame and think in terms of, you know, it's the spaghetti, the way it looks, the way it feels being long and thin and gooey and everything. But it's very possible that it's, um, it affects the sensory system to eat the gluten, so therefore the child is actually pulling away from something that looks like it'll have gluten in it just intuitively, and we're calling it, you know, because we're viewing it from the outside in, thinking, wow, it's, you know, he doesn't like it because it's long and skinny and, and covered in sauce. So that is a really cool story because it says possibly that his, some of his sensory stuff, but what they're viewing as sensory is really just an aversion to a particular product. Yeah, definitely. That's very, very cool. I want to tell you, you know, when, when my kids were little, um, so I raised kids that were autistic and um, one still is and three are off the spectrum, but they still, you know, they have their things. They're quirky and neat. And um, when they were little, I was trying to get them to like stuff like pasta and whatnot. And, you know, at that time, this is early 80s and nobody knew anything. So there wasn't all this diet information. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. So what I did is I took large pots of spaghetti 
and I covered it in oil so it was slippery and it was warm. And we all got in our bathing suits, and they used to like small spaces, so we all got in our bathing suits underneath the table, and we played with the spaghetti, and we made all kinds of artwork with it. It was so fun. So sometimes, you know, that whole don't play with your food is wrong. Sometimes you have to make food very friendly. That in mind, and we're close to uh, time on our interview, what do you do to make food friendly? It doesn't have to be under the table in your bathing suit playing with it, but what do you do to make it friendly? The best way I know of to make food friendly is to get kids involved with the cooking process. They'll enjoy it more if they know that they've helped make it, and that's just my big... uh, advocacy is to get people in the kitchen and I just took a job I work part-time as an instructor for an after-school program uh, through the city here in Fairfield and I work with the kids and teach them about cooking and when they take ownership of it it's fun for them I agree in fact I think one of the most fun things to do when you're uh, a neurotypical or probably any young adult leaving home is to buy your own groceries and be in charge of your food so if we can use that love of being in charge of your food and, you know, and translate that to skill acquisition and, uh, making, and making a helper out of your child, I think it's a really big deal. I, I think you're onto something there. Absolutely. It's very cool. I agree. All right, so I want you to go ahead and share anything that you want to share right now. So if you have a mission statement you want to put out there, if you have the best advice you can give to parents, this is your, your moment to just say what is, it doesn't even have to be diet-related, something that's important to you. I want you to share that with the parents. And then your website. All right, that's great. Uh, one thing I really want to share with the parents is do not underestimate the abilities of your kids on the spectrum. Always push them to go beyond what they're capable of. I had so many people tell me, no, you can't, no, you can't. And I just looked them in the face and I told them, watch me. Your kids can do awesome things. They are not disabled. They are differently abled. And the autism isn't a processing malfunction. It's just a different operating system that kids are under right now. Um, also, you know, one thing I'm a big advocate for is don't, about not underestimating your kids, don't think that they're going to live a life with frozen dinners and dollar menu McDonald's. I mean, encourage your kids. Teach them about ingredients. Teach them about fresh food. Teach them why you wash your hands after you handle chicken. Um, And if you guys want more information, please go to my website, www.gfcffusion.webs.com. You can find me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. If you want information, I am an open book. I want to thank uh, you, Lynette, for having me on today. And to all the parents out there, you know you know how you spell hero in the autism world? It's either M-O-M or D-A-D. So that's the best <laughs> you I love that. I love that. That's awesome. M-O-M or D-A-D. Well, moms and dads. I love that you listened to Chef Tom today. You're, you're more than welcome. I enjoyed having you on. I love your message. And I will post your website information. Okay? Thank you so much. All right, so thank you very much. Happy cooking. You too. Thanks a lot. GFCF Chef Tom Dickinson. Okay, where well, we are now going to have the most interesting, okay, 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 it's time for the Great Guest Giveaway. 
why it's so interesting is because it's one of my team players on the campaign that we're doing right now. In order for me to go out into the world and work with children for free and then create a web series for you guys to watch so you can learn a bunch of things for free and watch us model it, I had to put together a team. One of my team players is here. Her name is Relena Preble. Hey, Relena. Yeah, hi, Lynette. Hi. So Relena's um, a really cool team player in that uh, she's completely supportive in every way, financially, emotionally. Uh, she's just always supportive. And she even helped us get to Uganda, believe it or not. Uh, bought the plane tickets for the team, and we went there. And while we were in Uganda, we made episode two. So what did you think about going to Uganda? Well, it was just an absolutely wonderful trip. And uh, going to Africa was the first for me. And just being there with the team and uh, your film crew and uh, seeing what neurobiofeedback can actually do to help uh, the little girl that you were working with was just uh, awesome. It was exciting. It was, it was really, really, it was actually, I remember at one point you saying that it was sensory overload. What were you referring to? Well, you, you remember during the time that we were there, um, there was uh, a lot of just the town activity, the population, everybody was out doing their I mean, just their daily living. Their yeah, daily it was noisy, thing. right? <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> Come on, let's tell them. It was really noisy. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> it the was so noisy. And our, noisy. Oh, my gosh. So we're, we're trying to sleep, and all you can hear is the sound of people and, and the streets and, and the smells of the food cooking outside. I mean, it was... For those of you're living in Kansas, my goodness, it was sensory overload, I'm sure. Yeah, I live out in the rural area where it's pretty quiet. So, and I especially remember a bus that came by quite often that was seeing, I mean, they were playing really loud music and they were, they were speaking to the people because a lot of the people there, don't, you know, they don't, um, they don't have uh, TVs. I mean, some of them do, but... And so they um, they brought they bring it out into the a lot street. of their news. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. What you're talking about is that the truck that would go by, and they yeah. they yeah. do it on the speakers over top of the uh-huh. truck, and then you could buy advertising time that way. It's like the old. Right. It's like the olden days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was. It was very. It was a very interesting and fun trip. So the reason that I'm having you on as the great guest giveaway is because you did something so often. So awesome, sorry. Um, so everybody, what I want you to know is we got, we've got a campaign going right now on Indiegogo, and I'll put a link up for it, and I really, really, really want you to check it out. If every single one of you gives $5, we'll be able to help another family somewhere else in the world. We're trying to take this international and make five shows. We've only got two done. We need to do three more, and the reason I want it to be international is to kind of show the parts that are different and the parts that are the same and bring us together as one unified world of autism. So um, this is what we're trying to make happen. We have a campaign. My wonderful great guest giveaway guest uh, went along with us, but in addition, she's helping on that campaign and she donated. 
So when she donated, she there's perks that you get, you know, little things like emails and pictures and books and things that you get for different allotments of uh, donations. And she got kind of the super fan bundle and said, well, you know, I'm part of the group, so I don't need the fan bundle. So then what did you say? Well, I just thought it would really be a neat idea if um, – Part of, the, part of the giveaway is that uh, somebody could call you and do a consultation mm-hmm. on the telephone. Um, you know, maybe a parent that has a child with autism that uh, is in, you know, in need of some advice. And also your wonderful book in which I've, I have read, Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide with Autism. Um, I really want somebody to have that book because they will be benefited greatly with it. It's just so jam-packed with information uh, to help any mm-hmm. parent or any, or especially any professional that wants to know more about autism well, and so with your unique story about your life. And uh, it'll just be so beneficial to whoever reads it and... So for me, I I wanted to share that gift with somebody. The gift of not only you, but the gift of your wonderful book. Well, thank you. That's really awesome. I think that's a great guest giveaway, and I love that you wanted to do that. And just for everyone's edification, I want you to know that Relena is a nurse, and she works in, it's a psych ward, right? Uh, Yeah, I work in a a rehab facility, uh, mainly working with um, the mentally ill, um, schizophrenia, and it's, oh, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been quite an adventure, uh, yeah, part of my six. nursing career that I have really enjoyed. And that's why I wanted to bring it up is because I want them to understand that you would recognize, um, you know, what's useful and what isn't. That you're you're not just not that there's ever just a person, but um, it's nice that you ha- you're exposed to the world of mental health and uh, are on board to this for this cause, and, and we're excited to have you, and you were a great benefit on the trip and will continue to be a, a great benefit, I'm sure. Everybody, I want uh, you to recognize that she's given up. Uh, she also has um, a son that has Down syndrome and pays for my time when um, I work with her family, even though she's so supportive to me. So she's actually giving up something very valuable to her. So please appreciate that. Um, accept it uh, in the gift and in the, with the heart that it's being given because Rolena's got a really big heart. And, uh, and please take me up on it, all right? All you have to do is email me, all right? Go to my website, Lynette at LynetteLouise.com is the, the way that you can email me, okay? Lynette at LynetteLouise.com and say, I'm number one, okay? <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to tell them? Anything really cool about Uganda you want to share with them before we go? Uganda was a, a lovely country, and uh, the people there are amazing. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of poverty, but the people uh, have have such a community spirit about them where they gather together and they laugh and they share they share with one another like i mean even if they're they don't have much to eat they make sure that that uh they share with somebody else that doesn't have much to eat and 
I was really was touched by that. Wasn't it heartwarming? Yeah, it was awesome. It really was. Thank you so much for your gift. Well, thank you for having me on, Lynette. And <laughs> it's more the other way. You're completely the one who supports me. I really appreciate you. Um, okay, I'm going to do the uh, story from the road. You want to hang out, or you want to go? Oh, I'll um, I'll hang out for it and and I'll be listening to your program. <laughs> All, right. All right. All right. It is time for stories from the road. Okay. So the question of the day is, does food make the difference? So today's question is, does food make the difference? Now, we heard from our GFCF cook, who wrote the book, Cooking with Class, and we heard from Relena. Now, when we heard from the chef, we got his story about his relationship with food, and Relena just touched on something which was marvelous, because I want to talk about that. I want to tell you a story about Uganda. So she mentioned how they, they share their food. And with the question, does food make the difference in mind, I have to tell you, so there we are in Uganda. I'm working with a little girl who they just called crazy. They didn't know what she had. I get there, and it's a seizure disorder. Um, she's been sort of thrown, seizure medicine's been thrown at her and taken away and thrown at her and taken away. Um, she's a little cutie pie, about six years old, really gorgeous. Um, can't speak English, so I'm trying to learn how to speak Luganda, and we're trying to figure each other out. And the mom, of course, has had a hard time. They, in that country, call it witchcraft or a curse whenever there's a problem with the child, and so nobody really helps you. And, and, it, and it can be really, really challenging for parents, as it is everywhere. Uh, it turned out she had a little bit of autism as well. It's always hard to know when there's a seizure disorder Um, often kids that are diagnosed with autism are later diagnosed as a seizure disorder and then they take away the autism diagnosis saying, oh no, it's a seizure disorder. Then they give it back again because the seizures get under control and the child's still a little autistic. So there's there's this whole kind of confused area there. So let's just call her a little ASD. Um, So here she is, this really little cutie pie and the family's very, very poor. And there was a couple of things I just have to mention. One of them is food. So they don't have enough money to be, you know, inundated with red dyes and blue dyes and all these different things. And they also don't have um, the same problem with the, the soil being raped for mass production. So when I ate a little bit of food there, like a half a corn of cob was what we shared the mom broke the cord of cob in half. Actually, I broke it and gave her some because she was going to go without. And then we broke a half a bun, a millet bun together and ate that. I was actually satisfied. I was completely full from that, which shocked me. I also had energy all the time, which also shocked me. So their food had greater nutritional quality than I was used to having. And I noticed it all the time, the whole time we were there didn't taste that great for me, but, but it was nutritional. And so it didn't take much, fortunately, to, uh, to satisfy me. So what's the story? So here we are. Um, we're, we're on like the fourth day of the outreach and making the show, and the mo- it's Sunday, and the mom never gets to go anywhere and just not worry about her daughter. And she wants to go to church, so we go to church. And I say, I'll 
deal with your daughter. You know, you go to church. And so we're all there together, but when the little girl, it's too much for her and she wants to run, which, by the way, the word is dukkha. So we're going dukkha, 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 and we're running all over the place, and we've got to run out of the church, and we're running outside, and then she wants to dukkha back in into the church. And the people on, at the door of the church are saying, oh, no, you don't. You're very disruptive. So this little girl loves food, and they don't get much of it, as you just heard. And I thought, well, I have a few, you know, a few of these Luganda coins, or Uganda coins, and so I took her to the little, um, sort of a a bazaar that the moms had outside the church, and we went and we got some cookies, and we got some soda pop. Um, I didn't, you know, go for the healthiest thing. I went for the most fun thing, for the thing that she wanted, for the thing that would make her totally happy. And um, and I want you to try to imagine this. We're at this bazaar run by moms. It's outside a church full of licorice black beautiful people all praising God and singing really loud and see the sound is coming out and then the rain starts to pour and there's a tin roof over top of us so the sound is just pelting down and all the chickens that are running loose everywhere and the goats and the various other birds all duck under and start picking at the ground and at our toes and trying to get the crumbs that are left behind And she looks at me as she bites into this very thick, very hard, shortbread-like cookie with the biggest smile and the strongest eye contact I've probably ever had from anybody and says in English, thank you, Mom. Mom's what they often call uh, the Mzungas, which is the Mzungu is white woman. Um, It was very touching. It was very beautiful. And so in so many ways, the answer to the question, does food make the difference, is yes. It's a universal language, especially when it's healthy. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. This is a new spin on autism, Answers. Thank you for being here with me because without you, I would just be talking to myself. Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of A New Spin on Autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Myself, spinning in circles and talking to myself, I can't hear.